This episode of Truth Table is brought to you by InterVarsity Press, whose vision is to catalyze redemption, restoration, and revival in our divided and broken world. Follow IVP on Twitter at IVPress and visit IVP's website at www.ivpress.com. Hey y'all, welcome to Truth Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKamini. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, see how you doing, girl? I am doing good on this Wednesday of the week. (laughs) Trying to make it through. That's right. That's right. Scratching and surviving, but we're we're making it through. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Very, very good time style right there. Hanging in the child line. Ain't be lucky we got them. Good times. Good times. Good times. That was trying to give us some some forewarning, wasn't it? It was trying to let us know. There was was prophetic. Okay. (laughs) We got caught slipping. It was a prophetic theme song. Okay. (laughs) Because literally hanging in a child line. Quite literally. Um, so, <laughs> well, I'm excited to be at the table because, yes. well, y'all, our season's winding up. It's winding it up. I'm like, ooh, we we made it over here. We made we made this, it this, over. This year is going a little bit faster. Than it is the saga known as 2020. So it, it is flying. It is flying. So yeah, y'all, we are at the table with a special guest because we have a black girl magic interview, and not just any black girl magic interview. This is our final black girl magic interview for looky, looky. the season. And we are so honored to have Danielle Coke at the table with us. Oh, yes. also known as Oh Happy Danny on the Instagrams. Just in yes. case no. So welcome to the table, Danny. How you doing, girl? I am so happy to be at the table today. Okay. <laughs> long time listener, long time fan. I love y'all so much. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. And just in case y'all don't know who Danielle Koch is, let me tell you a little something about our sister. Danielle Koch is a designer turned illustrator. She's also a justice advocate and entrepreneur. She seeks to encourage faith, inspire justice, and guide you through loving your neighbor well. Her illustrations aim to make complex issues more digestible and help others find and use their passions to make a difference in their spheres of influence. With the joy that flows from her dedication to loving God, God and her neighbor as herself more than anything, Danielle hopes to encourage action as you hold her art in your home and carry it in your heart. Oh, that is such a beautiful and sweet and heartwarming bio. <laughs> and honestly, it is. It is. I was like, it is. like did, I, did I write that? <laughs> you know, and we, and we have read a few bios at this table. And that one is like, yeah, that's that's like life. That's not just a bio. That has it's like life mission. That's a mission. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Definitely. I felt that. I was like, all right, let me go ahead and go to the altar. I felt that. <laughs> <laughs> let me go ahead and repent for not loving my neighbor. <laughs> I felt it. I was like, oh, the gospel's all up in here. So, you know, you know what? I mean, on that note, 
talk to us about how you came to faith in Jesus. Talk to us about your conversion story. Oh, yes. <laughs> My conversion story. It's kind of actually a pretty wild one, um, but I will condense and tell you right now. So I I was born and raised a Christian. My dad was a pastor. Uh, we, I was born in Brooklyn, and so he had a church in New York. Okay. And uh, so my mom, yeah, uh, was a pastor's wife. And we moved to Georgia when I was around like second grade. Okay. And so he was no longer pastoring at that time. But uh, when we moved to Georgia, we bounced around between a couple of churches. But I was raised in the apostolic Pentecostal denomination. So um, a lot was going on there. <laughs> I, uh, and more specifically, I was in the United Pentecostal Church denomination, which was just and is just covered and saturated in heresy and racism. And I mean, I'll just say it, but um, it was really a challenging environment. I mean, I'm sure you both are familiar, but you know, you can't wear pants, jewelry, makeup, um, believed very weird things about salvation to where it's very works-based, very legalistic. I never thought that I could achieve a status of being like loved by God in perpetuity. I felt like it came and went uh, because I was just never able to be perfect. (laughs) So yeah, I grew up in that. And it wasn't until my freshman year of college where I really began to dig a lot deeper into what what I believed and what I was taught within the church, because I had always been one to ask questions. I was always like, um, y'all told me that I can't wear pants, but you got this from Deuteronomy. And the context of that, I don't think he was talking to us. I don't think it was about skirts. Come on, I, come on. <laughs> and the, those questions would always be met with like, you're a troublemaker. Please stop trying to sow seeds of discord among the brethren. Uh, like uh, just being mm-hmm. consistently poked at and prodded. And I was just like, okay, well, I will just seek these questions, I guess, amongst myself. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I... uh When I got to that freshman year of college, I sat with God one day and I was like, look, what I've been doing, this just doesn't add up. It doesn't seem like what I've been taught and raised in is the kind of God that you present yourself to be in scripture. So like, I'm going to just start reading this without all their devotionals, without all their commentaries, without everything like framing what the Bible is. And I just want to dig in for myself. And so Mm -hmm. I started in Romans and it changed my whole life because I was like, grace. What is great? I did not know. I had no idea. And then mercy and the idea of God like calling me for the foundations of the earth. And he just had loved me the whole time. Uh, and I just was blown away by that. And so I said, yeah, this, this sounds more like it. And so I eventually left that denomination and I lost everything and everybody. Like, I mean, wow. job. I was working in that organization, like at the national level. So I lost my job. Wow. <laughs> I yeah. lost like all my friends. All I had was my immediate family. Mm-hmm. who, although my parents believed differently than me and still do, mm-hmm. they supported whatever that looked like in me leaving. And so, yeah, I left everything and embarked on the journey of trying to figure out who God is for myself and who he's presented himself to be in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ever since then, it's just been a beautiful journey of unlearning and learning to this day. Yeah, But I, I wouldn't trade it for anything because it truly, I feel like, liberated me. What a testimony. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. That's just a powerful testimony. And I think, Danny, as I listened to that and um, how, you know, your questions were met with labels 
right? Instead of compassion or, mm-hmm. or, or attempts at clarity together, they were they were met with labels. You know, you are a troublemaker. And when I think about, somebody why I use the language of deconstruction, which is seminary theological term, but it's, it's made it into pop culture language. Um, but we sat, if we were to use that term around your conversation, your evaluation, your unpacking, your dismantling started with a conversation with God. And mm-hmm. I just think that is so important for us to be thinking about, even as we know people listen to this podcast yes, who are mm-hmm. uh, in the throes of, of pop culture or, or actual kind of theological constructive deconstruction. Right. Um, but, to, but to hear you say, God, just don't seem to line up. And I'm just going to move some stuff away and just yes. focus in on this book. And you, mm-hmm. you figure this out for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the humility in, the decon- in that process. I just think that's an encouragement. And I hope people just kind of paused and, and took Pick that, that in. And you said since that time, you've been in this process of like learning and unlearning um, and also developing this really amazing entrepreneurial identity. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> You out here doing the things. I was I was taking a flight. I was on a plane and I was like looking at activities that I could do. I don't know what flight it was, but I was like, Danny, she's on the screen. She's teaching me how to do art right now. What? Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> Are you everywhere? Right. Yeah. So so talk to us about how you how you how you became an artist. Right. And how you're using art on the agenda of justice. Yes, definitely. It is a very wild journey as well. And something that I never anticipated or expected to be doing, especially in a full-time capacity. But uh, growing up, I've always been super into creative stuff. So like I would paint like terracotta pots. I would put gift baskets together and sell them. Like I was always trying, I guess I was always trying to hustle. I don't know. It was more about like creating things. And if anybody wanted it, like they could have it. Uh, So I've always even like designing little business cards to to do like my own lawn mowing service. Like I'd go to my neighbors and say, I can mow your lawn. Did I ever mow people's lawns? No, but I made the business cards. So <laughs> <You know? funny. laughs> yeah. I just like to make stuff. And if money came with it, that was cool. So uh, growing up, I was doing a lot of that. And so I got to middle school and I finally had a chance to take an art class. And I was like, oh yes, this is my time. And so I took that art elective and every week we had a free drawing class where we're not really a class, but free drawing activity where she'd give us a piece of paper to take home at the top of the week. And then on Friday, we bring it back for a grade. And so I was so excited to like sketch because we never got to sketch or draw in class. And so I'd go home and I'd look at my little Disney VHS covers and I'd prop them up and I'd take my little paper and I'd like draw the Disney characters and I'd draw what I saw. And I just loved it so much. It was so fun. And I would bring them in. And then my art teacher would return my paper to me and be like, make sure you're not tracing B minus. Make sure you're not tracing C plus. And I'm like, woman, do you want to ask me if I'm doing any yes. of this? Are you going to continue yes. to keep marking me down? Right. And throughout the whole quarter of me taking that class, she just continuously assumed that I was uh, wow. tracing. And I was at a predominantly white middle school. My teacher was white. My class was mostly white. I didn't feel like equipped or comfortable enough to go to her and be like, Hey, can we discuss why you keep thinking that I'm lying mm-hmm. to you? And I was yeah. just like, I just took it, you know? Yeah, you're, well, you're a wow. kid. And, so and I'm also a kid. <laughs> you, you, know, yeah. you didn't have to be Rosa Parks in your class. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. Exactly. So that turned me away from art. I was like, well, not doing that. And so, wow. yeah, I kept doing it as a hobby, but I never thought I could do it like with my life. And so fast forwarding to 
college within that same denomination I was growing up in, like my church itself was predominantly black, but our system, our organization, everything was white. So Mm -hmm. I, uh, was looking around and I was like, you know, I feel a lot of racism and I feel like we should discuss it. And so me not having all the verbiage or the language, you know, I didn't grow up in that kind of environment where it was talked about in that way. Mm-hmm. I was like, let me get to my friends together. Let's make a little, little documentary and we can talk about race and uh, wow. justice and how it pertains to uh, us here in this denomination. And I was so excited. We put it together. I filmed it at my college and this is around the same time that I'm starting to unlearn those things. Mm-hmm. And so I put it together and we put it out there and pastors started ripping their kids out of that pro like our documentary. They were like, absolutely not. Like y'all are doing too much, shaking the table. And so I was just like, now y'all are kind of getting me lit up and getting me fired. Because right. you right. are so bothered. Why are you so bothered? Are you racist? Uh, you know, so right. that is kind of when. And the crowd went, yes. yes. <laughs> the narrator, narrator turns to the camera and says, yes. Yes. <laughs> they were racist. And they were. Yeah. So that is around the time where my love for justice started to kick up. And then I still had that love for art. And so fast forwarding to 2020, no, 2019, (laughs) 2019, I had already graduated college and got a job at an event planning agency because that's what I decided to major in thinking that art was no longer an option for me. So I majored in business with a hospitality concentration and got an event planning job. And I was, my way in was through marketing and graphic design. And I was like, oh yeah, and I'm going to get in here with that. And then I'll become an event planner and my career will be launched. Little did I know that I would absolutely hate every moment of event planning. I hated <laughs> it all. I hated it. <laughs> it was just not for me. Yeah. So uh, as I was navigating my place in that company, I, again, was in a predominantly white space, Mm -hmm. the only black woman in that uh, company. And one day after witnessing uh, one too many microaggressions, one too many like overtly racist situations, I was like, okay, well, I guess I got to do what I always got to do and go to the boss and say, hey, can we talk about racism in in here? And so I kind of went to him and basically said, hey, I love working here, but I also feel as though we could benefit from a couple of, you know, DEI sessions. Maybe we could bring in a guest speaker. I know some cool people. Maybe we could just ease in some conversations about inclusion and what that looks like here. And my boss said to me, I am not passionate about that. Why would I spend company money bringing in somebody to talk about that when I have no passion? That's just really what he said. And he just shut it down completely. And so I was like, I'm going to leave this job. Mm. You you don't and will never care about Mm. my experience here as a black woman. You just said so yourself. Mm. So I quit. I started my own graphic design agency and I said, I'm going to take this agency and come alongside these nonprofits and justice oriented organizations who are so busy on the ground doing the work. They don't have time to put into their social media presence. And that will be the way I give back. I'm going to use my skills with design and my passion for justice and put them together and give back. And so that's the career I, path I decided to take. And I had clients. Like I, I I got an opportunity to work with Be The Bridge, who you guys know. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes, which was awesome. Yes, yeah. Um, I gave a talk to NAACP's environmental department about like the power of art and illustration. And this was wonderful. before Instagram even okay, popped off for wonderful. me. wonderful, yeah. Like I'm still just chilling on Instagram. And so- Fast forwarding to Christmas of 2019, here's where the, the story revs up. I got mm-hmm. an iPad for Christmas and hey. I was like, oh, I'm going to start drawing <laughs> that iPad. I'm telling you, 
Listen, Apple, send us some checks. Send us Listen, some checks. I've been telling everybody about y'all little iPad, okay? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, fast forwarding, I got the iPad um, early 2020, MLK Junior Day. I'm like, I'm going to make an illustration about justice. I haven't really seen too much of that. Yeah. So I did an illustration about MLK basically saying, I feel like his legacy has been watered down over time. Y'all are painting him as this passive peacekeeper when he was a radical disruptor. And I would, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. So I made an illustration and it was the first one to be shared by people I didn't know. And I had about mm-hmm. 700 followers at the time. Wow. And um, long story short, Black History Month, I decided to keep going with this. And by the end of Black History Month, I had about 10,000 followers. And I said, this is why. This is wild. I didn't know that people would care. But I I found out that people are more inclined to join the conversation if they're approached by something that's pretty, easy Mm -hmm. to look at, easy Mm -hmm. to digest. I noticed that it was a good starting point for them, for people who otherwise did not feel included or invited or like they could handle those conversations Mm -hmm. about race, justice, Mm -hmm. all Mm -hmm. that. And that's kind of how it all started. Wow. wow. Yeah. So what an amazing journey, an amazing journey. There's so much in there um, and I have so many questions, but I'm curious, there there is a little bit of a theme um, Mm -hmm. um, that I'm picking up in your story of rejection, right? Rejection from your your art teacher, uh, rejection from the man at the agency, rejection from the denomination. Right yeah. um, there at wow. your church, and you thought you're like, oh, I'm gonna do this documentary, not knowing, you know, <laughs> bright eyed, bushy tail, and they was like, yes, oh. yes. You know, so there's yes. this theme. I'm here to you. <laughs> yeah, you're. I mean, you, you're. Yeah. Anyway, so there's this theme about this rejection, these things that you're really passionate about that you think yeah. are really, um, you know, God honoring, you know, and you're like, okay, I think surely people would get behind these things, and they're like, no. Right. Mm-hmm. Or or they're diminishing, you know, um, your own work or talent and things mm-hmm. like that. I'm curious about. First of all, I don't know if you've know. Have you noticed that thing? One, two, huh. uh, if you have, how have you overcome yeah. rejection? Do you have some um, practical? Yeah. Pr- yeah. How do you persist and how do you overcome that rejection? Just uh, some practical uh, advice, maybe for the sisters at the table to persist. Yeah. Okay, so that is amazing. I never have been able to name that pattern. So the mm. fact that you did makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. Because for me especially, I'll say this. Um, my favorite quote of all time is that poem by Marianne Williamson, Our Deepest Fear. Oh, yes. And mm-hmm. there's a line in there that says, there's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people don't feel insecure around you. And I struggled with shrinking my whole life mm. because I... Like you said, I'd come into these environments where I'd be sure, like, this is what God wants me to do right now. This is something that's needed. You'll be on board. And then people are like, no. (laughs) Or I, even with my pastor and my old denomination, like I went through a lot of spiritual abuse, which is a whole other conversation in and of itself. But like (laughs) this, this man would literally call me names, like call me Mm -hmm. like an airhead. I, and I would always feel like I was just, maybe I'm thinking about these things because I'm not all the way there in in the Mm -hmm. head. Like, am I just slow and my just and so like that was a really I took a tax in that area and I would diminish myself make myself smaller but then what I think happened was I kept finding myself in situations where I was like wait I can't be small here yeah this something is taking place here that's unfair or unjust or needs to be brought to the light and yes. I'm doing myself and everyone around me a great disservice when I shrink myself in that way and so I had to keep telling myself, like, you're meant to shine. Like, 
you need to say what needs to be said. Like this is what you were created to do. And so I think every time I was faced with that adversity of rejection, I I guess I would come back around and say, well, that did stink, but maybe this is just not for me. Maybe Mm -hmm. this space is not for me. If you're not allowing me to expand, then this, like, you know, after a while, a plant gets too big for its pot. Come on. You know what I mean? And uh, sometimes you just realize where you're rooted no longer fits or suits you. Come on. And so that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. You need a new pot. Yeah. So that's kind of what I kept, I think, discovering at each different stage and trusting. I don't know why I've just continued to trust that what I had in me was for a reason. I guess it was God carrying me through because at the beginning of this whole journey, like you said, Christina, it started with me and God saying like, yo, there's got to be something more to all this than than what I'm currently seeing. And I'm going to just trust you. And the way he kept coming through for me and showing himself and his glory in my life again and again made me realize like, okay, if I stick with you, I'm going to be all right. Mm -hmm. So this might be hard, but if you told me to do it, you've never failed me. So- I'll trust you and just do it. So, I love that. Love that. Yeah. Thank you for that. I know that's going to bless um, some of the sisters at the table. I know it blessed me for real. Um, so why don't we take a quick commercial break and we're going to come back and talk about all the things because we got more questions for you, Danny. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so don't go nowhere, sisters. We'll be right back after this commercial break. <laughs> Are you looking for ideas on how to discuss biblical concepts with your kids in an engaging way? Check out IVP Kids, a new line of children's book from IVP that packed biblical themes into a kid-friendly format. The Celebration Place by Dorena Williamson is one such book that celebrates God's diverse world and the beauty of his church. Church is more than just a building. It's a gathering of God's people to celebrate who he is and all that he has done. It's also where we learn about God's vision for justice and unity. That was the message that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. shared, and it continues to be an important message for us today. Because of God's great love, church should be the best celebration place. Launching on November 9th, The Celebration Place by Dorena Williamson is a delightful illustrated children's book from IVP Kids that will be enjoyed by kids as well as adults who read them. Also included with this book is a note from the author to encourage further conversation about the content. Discover IVP Kids and share with children the things that matter to God. Truth Table listeners can save 30% off and get free shipping on the Celebration Place when you order at ivpress.com using promo code TRUTH21. That's TRUTH21 to save 30% and get free shipping when you order at ivpress.com. And we are back at the table with Danielle Coke, also known as Oh Happy Danny. Um, she is just, <laughs> man, she's blessing us at this here table. I know y'all sisters are blessed too. So <laughs> anyway, see what you got. What you, what you want? Listen, I'm, I'm over here meditating on, is my pot too small? Listen, like, <laughs> you got one. Mm, yeah. Let the, let the Lord give you a pot. The pot is- <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm thinking about. Do I need to change my pot. <laughs> okay, put me in the garden. Take me out of the pot. Give me oh, in the garden. Ooh, garden. Oh, that'll preach. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, Danny, I, again, Kimmy is right. You are really like giving us a lot to chew on just from yourself and your own story. And and as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about again that theme that Kimmy raised up of the rejection, but also the counterpoint of the persistence, the persistence, mm-hmm. the grit. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And like, where you got that from? Is there something in your family's story or journey or um, how'd you get? Because this case, we want to buy some of that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I really don't know. I was thinking more about it after you said that, like, what what caused me to continuously be persistent? I I think I've just always had a set of dreams, like in my heart. Like I've always had also like been really clear on what I feel like God called me to do, like in general, not like necessarily the specifics, but like that dream and that call, like, it's not that it's just something that's in in my heart and I'll just think about every once in a while, but you know, it's that kind of thing where you'll be, you'll be falling asleep and that it's like God brings to life and brings to your remembrance. Uh, Those things that he's called you to do that dream and desire that like bubbles up inside of you. And so it's like, I've always tried to found an outlet for that to come out. Uh, Not necessarily because I always had the power to persist, but because like it was always bubbling up inside of me, like I couldn't shake it. And I think a lot of people can relate to the idea of having a dream or a calling or a vision that God's placed on your heart. And you don't always know like how how to let it flow out of you, but like you just know that you need to. And so in every situation that I found myself in throughout my life, like I always was able to see like, okay, God, what do you need me to do in this? Because I feel like I have to do something. So like, what is it? You know? <laughs> and I think that's probably why I've been able to keep going is because at the end of the day, I'm like, God, there's a call for me to, to speak yes. up, yes, yes, to yes. do something, to say something in any, in any circumstance that I find myself in. Like even right now, like I have found myself in spaces where I'm like, oh, here I go again. And, you know, like before that lie in my head of like troublemaker, a person who's always trying to switch stuff up and won't leave stuff alone. Like I had to overcome that because it's like, I'm not trying to be a troublemaker. And if I am, okay, it's that good trouble, right? The the trouble we're yeah, supposed yeah. to be making anyway. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't ever want to come to a place where I'm content with the way things are if they're not just, if they're not equitable, if there's something wrong going on, something in the water. So I'm even navigating it currently at, at this point in time, like- Spaces I find myself in where something needs to change. And so, I don't know. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Wow. You know, when you said that, I'm, this labeling of troublemaker, and I'm thinking yeah. about your in- Instagram, Oh Happy Danny. Yeah. <laughs> and and how there are how there are people who uh, get caricatured as, as mean, as troublemakers, as full of conflict and strife. And like the people are like, I'm actually pretty, pretty chill. Yeah, <laughs> I mind my business. I don't want to talk about this. If you would just Do get right. it together. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have to talk about this topic. Yeah. Do you, do you feel some pressure at times because of that labeling to overcompensate in mm. your in your, in your niceness, in your, in your presentation, in your oh happiness uh, because <laughs> of that label? That's interesting. No one's ever asked me this before. So it's a great question. Mm. I, I feel as though positivity and optimism is like my natural bend. So sometimes I feel as though, although I talk about the hard stuff, whenever I change my disposition to be one of like lament or grief or wanting to talk about the serious things, I feel like almost the opposite thing happens. People are like, oh, what's wrong with you? Aren't you like supposed to be happy and positive? Like you're always sowing like, this is just sounds negative. Like, and, and to me, I'm like, this doesn't mean it's always going to be easy to, to hear or feel good to you. Like I, my happiness is not like, oh yeah, it's just a beautiful day all the time. Like, yeah, that's great. But it's also like, I find joy in putting in the work to make a more just and equitable society wherever I find myself, because that's joy to me. Mm -hmm. That makes me feel good. So I will, 
even in the illustrations that I create about serious topics, like I did an illustration once about the school to prison pipeline. There's nothing happy about that, but it in the illustrations and the colors that I use and the hope that I hopefully like push for at the end of, we all have a part to play in dismantling this Mm -hmm. destructive system Mm -hmm. and creating a better world. And that should make you happy. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. kind of how it comes back around. Like the hope, the color choices I use so that somebody sees it and they're disarmed, but they interact with it. And they're like, Oh, there's actually a call to action here. Like I've been charged with doing something. This is not just to, make me feel good or to look pretty, you know? And so that's kind of how I balance it. I think that happiness, but also like the truth. I try at least. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's good. Yeah. I think, um, actually kind of that format kind of actually reminds me of like the Psalms, right? The Psalms were, you know, um, Mm -hmm. when the psalmist is crying out like, wow, Lord, you know, and then in the end, well, God, I know you're good. You know, and hoping in, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I'm about to lose it. Lord, that's me and my prayer. I'm like, but God, mm-hmm. I know you're in control. <laughs> you know, so that, yeah. that, that little yeah. hope in. Because <laughs> like, oh, for God. me, I got to cling. If I'm not clinging to that hope, what am I doing here? We'll become untethered, right? You know, I, so. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the places that I find myself. Yeah. And on the online mm-hmm. activism, artivism space that is sometimes like super dominated by non-Christian voices, it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know how y'all do it. Truthfully, honestly, I don't know how you mm-hmm. day by day fight for this if you don't see a hope at the end or, you know, yeah. and so it's what keeps right, me yeah. going. Yeah. You know, well, Danny, I'm actually really glad you brought up that, uh, the graph social, um, the, uh, illustrator, um, I guess industrial complex. Um, let me just call it that. <laughs> Social justice in, industrial complex. I just made that up. Okay. So, um, <laughs> but you know, there is. I'm curious about your thoughts because there is this, um, maybe budding, you know, um, pushback on um, uh, on Instagram or in the social media streets about. Yeah. Um, bite-sized social media graphics, you know, that, um, that they, that they perceive those that, that push back against it perceive as simplifying these complex issues and maybe flattening them too much. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm curious about your own, um, philosophy or how you wrestle with that. Do you wrestle with that? Do you feel that tension at all? Um, and what, just what are your thoughts on that? I have recently just started to see this pushback on like, Mm -hmm. I would never just, you know, beamify the movement. And so I'm curious about your own thoughts about that. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, myself, I have like heard that criticism every once in a while for my own work, but I do mostly hear it in regards to other people's work, especially like there's something that needs to be called out because there's a season where I was like, it feels like y'all are just waiting for a pretty little graphic to share and you're not doing doing anything else about it. Yeah, yeah. For me, myself, I had to take a step back and I have other illustrative friends where we actually got together and we're like, are we part of the problem right now with like this mm. performative activism? Have we contributed to this culture of mm. bite size? Let me share this. And I've done my part. And so I had to look at my own work and the captions that coincide, the calls to action that I bring. And I think the the distinction is there's, there's a wave of 
artists who rose up during the same time. And I think especially predominantly white creators will go and make these infographic slideshows, right? And they will regurgitate definitions and information from Black artists, Black authors, Black writers who have been saying this for years and years and years. They'll take that and they'll throw them on a slideshow as if they came up with it. And then people will share these infographics and go viral. And and then these specific accounts will grow to millions of followers. And and we already know, especially as Black creators in in, in social media spaces, there's times where we feel as though we're silenced. You know what I mean? Right. And so I think with that, I believe that if you're sharing and taking information that does not belong to you for the sake of simply regurgitating it, and you're simplifying it to the point where you're not providing real solutions, pointing to action steps, or reminding people that this is not your own idea, that these are age old, long, long, <laughs> long times we've been battling with this stuff. You know, I really feel as though that has been something that has cheapened the movement. I also believe that there have been times when I myself have looked back at a piece or two that I've created and I was like, I missed it there. Mm. Two illustrations in particular that I can think of right now that went massively viral where I was like, that was oversimplified. And I don't have a problem confessing that because that is how I grow. And so to this day, there will be serious issues going on where I will actually refuse to create an infographic about it. And even now, like, because feeding the machine of like (laughs) inaction and performative activism, I'm just so turned off from it that I'm even changing like my voice and the kinds of things I draw about to be more about like, what is your own unique contribution to doing good in justice in your own sphere of influence? Because taking idea, taking long things like um, health inequities and trying to put all of that into a single infographic, you are not encapsulating it. So I also think it's important to make that disclaimer of this is the starting point. I'm not meaning to take everything about this issue, package it in this one infographic and that be it for you. Yes. You know, I'm always like, this is just the beginning. And if this is a resource for you, great. But I've always, always made the disclaimer of, I'm not a resource, I'm a person. The art that I create will only be a reflection of who I am and my worldview at this point in time. That being a Black woman who is a Christian, you know, who has experienced this set of things in her own lifetime. I'm not the end all be all. I'm not a textbook. If you need anything else, like find that outside of me. But again, at the end of the day, I cannot minimize the effect that I've seen it have on conversations, especially for people who have not otherwise known how to get started in them. It seems like this big, scary topic. And if my infographic can help you look at it and say, um, I never thought about that way before. Maybe I should take a second look and get started and finding my own part to play in this larger story of justice. Great. I'm glad that that did that for you, but not, it's not meant to be the end all be all. We are not your like, I'm not built to educate you all the time, you know? Come on. So it's definitely a journey, but I'm not going to act like it doesn't have a place or it hasn't been helpful in some regard, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. We can, yeah, we can look at our work with, um, with humility, right. Being grateful for its impact. And also kind of like what you just described that, um, that really humble self-assessment and introspection, like, "Hmm, yeah, I did miss it. And if we're not finding ourselves saying that about, our, about our works, Come on. about our relationships, about our life. At some point, that's not low self-esteem. That's a that's a healthy, honest self-reflection that's of a right. emotionally mature person yeah. to be able to say, like, yeah, I missed it. I missed mm-hmm. it. I was off in that conversation or in or whatever the whatever I was creating. So it's so good that y'all to hear you hear you say that and just to remind all of us about there's no shame in being able to look back and say, Yeah, I missed it there. And, and mm-hmm. really 
from it. How are you keeping yourself healthy right now? I just watched this clip this morning of somebody uh, that was recorded on flight and really everybody just kept all the commentators, all the newscasters kept saying the words like this person is unwell. They are unwell. And when I sent it to folks, we were like, the people are unwell. I'm the people. <laughs> and so, so how are you in the midst of these incredibly unwell conditions, right? And thinking about the work that you do, ju- justice uh, work, any aspect of it, whether you're boots on the ground, whether you're in the law capacity, educator, art capacity, it wears and tears. How are you keeping your heart healthy? How are you keeping your mind healthy in this season? Right. Yes. So part, a lot of it involves me not really being on social media that much, which Smart. is interesting Smart. <laughs> as, a, as a creator. But I often find that overconsumption attacks creativity. It chokes it out, especially when you're looking at not just what everyone else is doing, but everything else that's happening in the world. And it's like, I was never created to be able to shoulder all of the weight of everything that's going on. I although a lot of it is sad and I care about a lot of it, I cannot carry that weight. So what, what is mine to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And so pulling back every once in a while, retreating to myself, retreating to my faith and thinking through, okay, what is mine to do in this season? I know this horrible thing is happening. How can I draw back and just say, I need to take care of myself for a little while. I'll do that. And then if I want to draw, I'll draw. And I'm not the type of person that's like on a strict content creation schedule. You just can't crank out like (laughs) pieces like this, you know? And so I definitely do my best to stay offline when I cannot be online. And retreating to things offline that bring me joy, like painting. I painted murals in my apartment. There's one behind me right now. I see it. It's Um, cute. (laughs) Thank you. It's great for um, Zoom calls and things. Yes. Really <laughs> yes. Or like decorating my home or just doing things for fun, hanging out with people who give me life and being able to have those conversations offline. You know, those are really helpful, impactful things for me. And so when the time does come where I feel like I have something to say, I can say it with confidence that I'm putting something out there, not just because I'm trying to feed the content machine, but in this moment, I have something to say, and this will go further than me just always trying to put out content all the time for the sake of doing it. And so that is how I take my care of myself, like from so a work good. capacity. It's just like, do what you can That's and right. um, don't let the, the internet destroy your brain because, oh, it can. It absolutely can. Yes, it can. Absolutely, it can. You know, uh, there's a lot of wisdom there, a lot of prudence, discretion. Mm-hmm. Um, just, um, letting, allowing the spirit to lead you, like prompt you when you're ready to do something, you do it, you know, Mm -hmm. and not, Mm -hmm. not allowing the machine to dictate your moves and your movements. Um, and not allowing the internet, as I say, to rush you. So that's really, really huge to hear that from you, um, as, um, you know, just a, a prominent graphic uh, design illustrator in the social justice space, because you see these illustrations come out so quick. I'm like, how do people? How do they do this? This is a lot of work. Oh my, it's a lot of work to do this. So, so it's. I think it's refreshing for people to hear that. Um, you know, Danny, I'm curious about mm-hmm. before we move to Schwartz Farm because we go, we all going to shift. But <laughs> I want to know how do you handle or how are you handling um, the uh, the the uh, I don't know, just the catapult 
the way your your platform has catapulted, you know. So so Christina talking about she saw you on the plane, you know, you <laughs> master classes, you're doing all these things, right? <laughs> you know, all these, you know, that we that we see as successful, like, oh my gosh, you're doing big things. How do you handle yeah. that? How are you handling that? Are you handling that? Like, can you talk to us about what help do you need handling that? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it definitely was a lot and unexpected. The very f- like first year this all was going down. So 2020 summer, it was yeah. extremely overwhelming. I burnt out 100% because I felt like if I, I was doing something that seemed to be helping people, I just felt like I had to put my all into it and just never stop. And so I vowed that I would never work that hard again in my whole life. And I'm absolutely not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I think I have handled it not so well uh, when it first started, but I think for me, it's still very odd to have conversations with people who were impacted by the work or, or to meet people who recognize me. I'm just, it's so bizarre to me. So like, I think one thing that I definitely try to do is not work as hard as I am tempted to. So things come across my table and I say no, like 95% of the time, I just can't do it. And I have to remember that it's okay if you can't do everything like you weren't created to be able to do everything and so that's one thing that's very helpful for me and also one thing that's tricky and you had said if there's anything I need help navigating this would definitely be it Mm -hmm. uh once there's a perceived like notoriety that comes with your name it feels as though people who reach out and act like they want to help you are (laughs) ready to just take from you and especially in I, it's sad to say, I see it a lot in faith-based spaces as well, which is odd because the platform that I created um, was like, it wasn't the church that put put me on this platform. Honestly, it was everybody else <laughs> sharing yeah. the work and talking about yeah. justice and stuff. And all the, all the church has come alongside some of my work and, you know, opportunities have been given. And I, my, at the end of the day, it's where my heart is. I also find that <laughs> there are there are environments that I feel like I want to take, especially like mm. predominantly white or predominantly white evangelical spaces. And I'm like, I'm so new to all of this that I've allowed myself to have moments where I was almost taken advantage of. Wow. So, <laughs> wow. um, trying. I think that's a big challenge, like making sure that, especially as a black woman, that I, we find ourselves in spaces that care for us as whole people and don't just want to yeah. take or yeah. don't just want to switch up on you right when it gets difficult for them, like. You know, so that's something that I'm still trying to navigate. But overall, I've met so many wonderful people, have had great opportunities come up because of it. And I'm just trying to find a way to be sustainable in this uh, and not burn out all the time. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and then I'm, I'm thinking about how you when you first shared your graciously share your testimony with us at the beginning. Right. And the space that you were in and how how that could feel like a, a bit of whiplash. Um, mm-hmm. Same, the same space that wasn't trying to hear what you had to say. It's not the exact same space, but probably some some shadow, some uh, some similarity there. And now feeling this sense of pull to be used. So at one time, not heard or listened to, and now like, hey, can we just yeah. like drain, drain you dry now? Now that we right. find helpful to us, yes. Um, and so I think, I, yeah, I think it's mm-hmm. wise to have an impulse that says, you know, as, as a Kimmy often talks about, boundaries protect what is sacred, and we. Mm-hmm. We're a part, we're the humans. Yeah, we're the most precious thing on the planet. I know we're ridiculous, yes, yes, right? Nine percent of the time, but <laughs> we are indeed incredibly precious. Yeah, <laughs> we have to think about ourselves in that way. So, 
Yeah, I, I feel like we're about to move to force fun. I, I, I feel, I, I feel a feeling. <laughs> All I right. feel a feeling spirit that force fun is Let's knocking on the door. Is it not? Force fun, force fun. <laughs> <laughs> the theme song changes every week. It's just how it feels. It's just how it feels. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Danny, it's time for force fun. Are you ready, girl? I am ready. Everybody says they're ready, but they don't be ready. But okay. Oh, probably. Ready. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Danny says she stay ready. She says she but stay, she stay ready. ready. So she ain't got to get ready. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. First question. Mm-hmm. One gotta go. Okay. Okay. Shaka. Whitney. Aretha. Anita. Oh my gosh. Gotta go. It's an offensive question. It's it's our hardest question. I mean, really, it is. (laughs) I just watched Respect, so Aretha definitely cannot go. Okay. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to just say it and just say it. Uh, Shaka. Shaka can go. Okay. Shaka, I feel for you. Uh, She's great. We still love you. Not every woman. Well, you can't go. Well, see, the, but the original was Shaka. The that's original true. version. Don't Shaka forget. That's Shaka's song. But you know, Whitney <laughs> done. Whitney. Whitney. Whitney Whitney Whitney, Whitney fight it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Wait, that's man. fair. We imagine. You know, you know what? You know, a lot of people, a lot of people do say Shaka. So you're not alone. <laughs> You're not alone, Danny. I might just say something like Anita Baker, too. We're like, okay. <laughs> stop the recording. I'm like, that is Anita. Anita can't go. And she just got her like, masters. Mm. Right. All of them. I saw her celebrating. Uh, on Stream Twitter. her music, y'all. She got her masters. We can put that house to your So I've, I've got a fourth fun question for you, Danielle. Okay. If uh, and you know, I just you know, I just watched some Marvel this past weekend. <gasps> Me too. <laughs> it's a thing, very important. <laughs> um, if you had a superpower, mm-hmm. what power would that be, and why? What? Teleportation. Oh, boom! Okay. All right, all right. <laughs> Tell us the <laughs> Tell us why. She said, "Can I finish the quote?" No. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't blame us. I have to teleport. Yes. I want to go to so many different places. And if I can just show up there, like I want to go to Venice really bad. I want to go to Italy. Listen, I've never been to uh, many countries. If if I can teleport, let's just go. You know, know that's right. right. And if you're in bad situations, you can just teleport yourself right out of it. Oh, that's good. That's good. Danny back now. You can't hold it back. Listen, I like that teleport. You, listen, where I'm at in my spirit right now, I'm like, teleport me to glory. That's why. <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready to see the king? Because Earth is, is ghetto. Earth is ghetto. <laughs> teleport <laughs> me to glory. I'm so tired. <laughs> Earth is ghetto for real. Help us. <laughs> Help us, Lord. Okay. <laughs> our, our final question for you is. If we were to get in your car with our masks on, even though we vaccinated, yes. um, right. steel. <laughs> all the safety precautions. If we were to get in your car 
What will we be hearing bumping in your stereo or your speakers? Ooh. I'm doing myself I'm talking about stereo. <laughs> <laughs> your cassette player would be playing. <laughs> your, 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 your A-track. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I love this question. I'm really into like modern day R&B right now. So like you probably hear some Her, some okay. Masego, Lucky Day. Uh, who else would you hear? That's who you probably would really be hearing. Lucky Day and Masego. Yes. I'm just vibing. Yeah, that's what you would hear. Yeah. Put the windows down. I love it. Love, love, love it. Well, you you have uh, successfully passed. Yes. For fun segment. Woo! Thank goodness. And and we would love for you to use this time to just let let us know what's next for you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What's 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 percolating for you mm-hmm. these days, and how can we follow and support your work? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Well, you can find me everywhere at Oh Happy Danny. Uh, that brand alignment is strong, so that handle everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Listen and learn. Listen and learn. That's, that's important. That's important. That's important. Uh, but yes, and ohhappydanny.com, we're selling prints and merch and stickers and stuff like that. But we recently launched this notepad called Do Good Daily. And it's just a way for people to take daily inventory of the ways they're giving back um, and taking care of themselves and the people around them. And so that's a product that I'm super excited about that we just dropped. But yeah, I would just love to see your faces on the gram if if anything else so yeah that's where you can find me and um yeah we're working on a couple of really fun projects some secrets that i'll tell you guys first when i'm allowed and you'll know yeah, but, yeah. yeah. overall i'm also very excited for the holidays and so cooking up some stuff for the holidays too that's right you have to start with that now i'm i'm excited for the holidays too because i'm ready to, uh, I, you I ready I'm please ready. <laughs> don't nobody bug me i want to watch tv okay <laughs> <laughs> there you go started early goodness anyway Danny (laughs) thank you for sitting at the table with us sister oh my goodness we were honored to have you and of course we want to thank our sisters for taking a seat at the table with us this week let's keep the conversation going Tweet us your thoughts about this episode using the hashtag Truth Table. This episode in particular, it's our final Black Girl Magic interview with Danielle Cope. Tweet us your thoughts, y'all. And Black women, do you know we have a Black Women's Discipleship Group on Facebook, okay? Make sure you go to our Facebook at Truth Table, like our page, and join our group. Make sure to follow Truth Table on Facebook um, and invite your homegirls too. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Email us your thoughts at info at truthtable.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truth Table has a Patreon account so y'all can send your love offerings to patreon.com slash truthtable so y'all can watch this episode too. Um, and you can also bless us at our PayPal at paypal.me slash Truth Table. Truth Table is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit Pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York. We have been your hosts, the Kemeny, Michelle, and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.